I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilize the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Hello and welcome back to the RHS Gardening Podcast. Each fortnight, we bring you a mixture of features and discussions, exploring every aspect of gardening. Pest control, plant care, garden design, container ideas, growing your own fruit and vegetables, plus expert seasonal advice on what you should be doing in your garden right now. I'm Jenny Bowden, one of the team of horticultural advisors here at RHS Garden Wisley in Surrey. Coming up in this edition... How to raise tasty crops, from pears to peppers, in tubs and containers, allowing you to grow your own whatever the size of your outdoor space. RHS experts answer your seasonal gardening questions, including puppy-proofing your garden, growing a wildflower meadow from seed, and choosing the right kind of slug pellet. And, as always, we'll have the latest news on RHS events across our four gardens. But first, let's head outside to find out what jobs the teams at RHS Garden Wisley are tackling this month. My name is Matthew Pottage. I'm the garden manager here at Wisley. So despite being the end of summer now, we're into autumn, the teams are still just as busy as they were earlier in the year. And some of the main jobs that we're getting on with now are preparing the garden for the winter time. So if you've got herbaceous plants, you've got things that have finished flowering, they're dying back, they're collapsing, you don't want to look at them. You can get in there and tidy up and have a good old spring clean. It's also a good time to be planting spring bulbs now. Uh, be ahead of the game, get the bulbs in while they're fresh, they're hydrated, don't leave them sitting around. While it's tempting to go to the garden centre and pick up those cheap mouldy bulbs at the end of the season, which are really a bit past their best, you know, get in there now while there's a good fresh selection and be planting your bulbs. The team are busy at the moment planting a big selection of alliums in the dry beds outside the wall garden. And they look like lovely big fresh onions, you know, they're lovely big hydrated bulbs. And just think about, you know, what's going to be packing your punch in the garden in spring, early summer of next year. It's an ideal time to be cracking on with that now. When you're planting bulbs, one thing to consider is imagine what the plant's going to look like when it's in growth. So think, is there the space where I'm going to put it? Will something else be growing up around it? And, you know, will it look right where I'm putting it? Do you want really showy daffodils alongside something really dainty like a small crocus or something? So think, you know, is it in the right place in the garden? If you don't know what your bulbs are or you've really got no experience with bulbs or you've lost the packet or whatever and you think, you know, where do I even start with this? Try and, as a very basic rule of thumb, get it twice its own depth. So look at the size of the bulb. Try and get it twice its depth in there. Try and get it the right way up. You know, sometimes it's hard to see with a bulb, something like an allium, which can be quite smooth. You think, you know, which way up is this? 
But thankfully, Mother Nature's clever. And if we get the bulb the wrong way up, most bulbs have the ability to write themselves. And they also, which is so fascinating, they have the ability to pull themselves to the right level with their own root system. So if you've got it a bit too shallow, it will pull itself to the correct depth. Make sure it's covered, firmed. You know, if the bulb is got lots of loose soil around it it will find it harder to root in so just tamp the soil down with your hands after you finish putting in the bulbs smooth over the soil again and you'll find very quickly that bulb will start taking root and start to establish and even though you don't see them maybe till next spring that all important establishment will start now so don't leave them hanging around the shed and get them in as soon as you can and the other thing is you know don't forget the lawns keep the leaves off the lawn Run a scarifier across if you've got a lot of moss, but equally if your lawn's very waterlogged, avoid the temptation of walking on it. Run over it with a fork or a spiker if you can, if you've got a very compacted lawn, if it gets lots of foot traffic, and really try and keep the lawn in the best order you can. You see when we can get on our lawns at Wisley in the autumn, we're doing a lot of maintenance, just repairing compaction, and replacing any turf areas as well. If you've got a mild spell between frosts or you know your garden's still not very cold yet and you want to re-turf an area, patch an area over, is now is a great time to be doing that work. A piece of work to be thinking about this time of year and a, a really significant job is looking at container maintenance. And that's maybe long-term potted plants or maybe that's your summer display that you want to have turning into a winter display by your front door. And now is a really important time to think about potted plants. There's a few things here in mind in that if you're leaving plants outside throughout the winter months, be prepared that those root balls might freeze when it's very cold. So think, you know, what is that plant? Is it very hardy? Is it a bit tender? Should I move it up to the house wall where it's a bit more protected? Is it okay standing out where it is? And think if that root ball completely freezes, you know, that plant is going to be suffering some damage, some stress. So ways around that can be to wrap the pot. So you can maybe put something like bubble wrap around it and then maybe wrap it in brown hessian so it looks nice. That will help you know, prevent the root ball freezing altogether. And another really significant thing with potted plants long-term is a pest called vine weevil. And vine weevil lays its eggs on the compost and those grubs then live in the compost throughout the winter months and they eat the roots of your containerized plants. And chances are they would have already laid their eggs by now. They do it in late summer. And those will be busy feeding away throughout the autumn and winter. They love going for things like succulents. So if you've got any echeverias or aeoniums in pots, you can treat those. And you can treat them in with either a water-in pesticide or water-in nematode. So that's you know, an environmentally friendly way around it without pouring chemicals around into your pots. Both of them are effective. We use both methods at Wisley. And that will just help you know, prevent that pest causing long-term damage. But also if you're just looking to plant a winter interest pot and you've got winter bedding and you've had summer bedding in that pot, refresh the compost, treat them to something a bit good. You know, try not to recycle old compost year on year. It gets drained of nutrients, it can get pests in it and you know, you just don't get the best from your plants. So avoid that temptation to recycle that compost. Tip it out into the compost heap put in something fresh, a few slow-release osmocote tablets, which is that plant food that slowly releases, and then jazz your containers up for the winter. And that's always really fun. You know, you've got winter-flowering things like pansies and primulas and violas, you know, but also look at grasses, look at small evergreens, look at hollies, look at conifers. Do something cool with your winter containers. You know, they don't have to be, say, I'm all boring, ivy over the sides, dwarf conifer in the middle. If you've got a nice planting of cornus, 
harvest a few corner stems, insert them, you know, like a living floristry display. They'll hold their colour through the winter. Uh, you know, have a competition with your neighbours. Who can have the jazziest winter pot by the door? Really fun thing to do. And then mulch the top, pine cones, pine needles, really nice autumn leaves, whatever you like the look of, make it your own uh, and have a bit of fun with your containers this autumn. There's more information about all aspects of plants and gardening techniques on the advice pages of the RHS website, plus general gardening tips and guides to seasonal jobs, rhs.org.uk slash advice. I'm Jenny Bowden and you're listening to the RHS Gardening Podcast. Now, if you're a regular listener, you'll already know that members of the RHS advisory team join us regularly to answer your gardening questions. So let's join my colleagues now to hear advice on some problems you've sent in recently. My name's Tony Dickerson and I'm a horticulture advisor here at Wisley in Surrey. Uh, my name's Rob Sterling, and I'm also a horticultural advisor here at Wisley in Surrey. My name's Guy Barter. I'm on the advice team here at Wisley. Amanda Peacock has inquired by email. I'm attempting a patch of meadow, mainly by not mowing. What plants should we add for bees and butterflies? And also, what do we do with the heap of soggy grass over the winter? Do we cut it back or do we leave it? What do the team think? Well, with a, it's a very good idea to convert your lawn from from lawn to meadow and yes indeed you would do that by kind of leaving it alone and easing off any fertilizers the main management would be to cut it after the the main flowers have finished so uh, what you decide to add um, you you would actually cut it back after those that main main flush uh, so it does depend slightly what what you put in um, but certainly by the autumn uh, you you would have cut it and um, you, you wouldn't be looking at a soggy soggy heap of grass over the winter the idea would be to cut it and then you would let seeds seed themselves and then it would be taken away and you could use it to mulch somewhere or put it on the compost heap etc with regard to what you're actually going to add into the grass when it's still short possibly in the spring the idea would be to plant small pots things that are already well rooted you can't scatter seed around of things that are going to be able to compete with the existing grass which is a real challenge so plug sized would be possible but ideally a little bit bigger than that I think to really win the competition the things you might consider would be prunella which is a little blue flowered plant that people spend a lot of time trying to get rid of in their lawns Um, but this gives you a chance to actually let it grow oregano is very good at competing with grass and some of the hardy geraniums you could add in things like Himalayan sea which is a blue flowered geranium hardy geranium and you could also consider some of the campanulas they're called bell flowers and some of the taller ones um, like lactiflora or glomerata they're also worth trying and something that i found really good at competing is the valerian they come in purples pinks and whites and they kind of hang out of walls in cornwall and devon and ireland people might recognize it from that and uh, oxide daisies they're not too bad at competing but it does depend on your soil type etc so you can't make too many generalizations but those are things that I've found to work. I think it's um, probably also more reliable to choose perennial plants over annual plants uh, particularly if you're adding um, you know plants grown in containers too because they're going to continue to appear every year Um, whereas if you 
put annual plants in, um, which, uh, you know, very often some of the traditional classical types of uh, meadows that we see on chocolate box covers, you know, such as cornflowers and corn cockles and um, red poppies and corn marigolds, all of those are annuals. And um, they they wouldn't really um, necessarily produce the same effect um you know, if they were allowed to seed and, and to come up the following year, um, very often they wouldn't um, grow uh, particularly well if they were left to seed. You might find that certain species would out-compete uh, others. Um, some species would disappear altogether. Um, so with, with perennial plants, you, you know, you're much, it's much more reliable. Um, and some of the perennial bulbs as well, um, things like um, the camassias, for example, are, which are bulbs which look very much like bluebells, probably about uh, 20, 60 centimetres to two feet high. Um, with, um, they, they are coming blue and white, uh, very attractive when, when actually grown in grass. And also um, gladiolus byzantinus, which um, um, is a, a small flowered gladiolus, which has a, a, a spike of magenta flowers, also looks extremely attractive in grass. I think the crucial thing here, if you're looking to attract bees and butterflies, you, you just want simple flowers. You need to avoid doubles and so on and highly bred uh, hybrids, which often don't have the nectar or pollen of simple flowers. And of course, meadows, are, well, they, they cover a whole range. Of course, you can go from everything from a, a native wildflower meadow all the way through to something that perhaps mirrors something rather more exotic in the American prairies or such like. But if you're going for some natives, then certainly three worth considering this bird's foot trefoil very low growing yellow p-shaped flowers um, at the opposite end of the spectrum chicory bright uh, blue flowers much taller plant and then for something in between perhaps knapweed and all those certainly will be very attractive to uh, uh, bees and insects of all sorts right we uh, have a email here from philip stark from uh, cambridge they're about to acquire a five-month-old labrador puppy um, they'd like to know what they should do to puppy-proof their garden. Are there any plants that they should look out for that might be dangerous to her health in particular? Uh, well, do we have any, some ideas here? Well, I think the first, uh, the first place to go would be go, to go to the Dogs Trust on the internet. Um, that um, has a, a really comprehensive list of all the types of plants which um, um, is, uh, you know, of threat to, to dogs in particular. Um, and I printed it off before I came in, and it actually comes to nine pages. So um, it would be a, um, an extremely useful first step to to, to have a look at. Um, but certainly some of the more common plants, such as dalphiniums, um, aconites, which um, are commonly called monkshood, rhododendrons, um, all of those are extremely toxic. And for any, any dog to actually... Um, particularly a puppy who would be quite interested in chewing on anything it possibly can. Um, those, if those things are in the garden, then they should be borne in mind as to whether they should be removed or blocked off so that the plant, the dog can't actually have access to them. I was just going to say not to be too worried here. Um, certainly you must be careful, uh, especially when you're working in the garden and um, the hound is nearby because it may take tends to get inquisitive about what its owners are doing but in 17 years of um, being a horticultural advisor I've only encountered one case um, where a puppy was harmed when its owner uh, was planting out lupins Um, so by and large uh, dogs are very very seldom harmed in gardens so common sense precautions uh, should be sufficient to keep the pooch safe. 
Okay, so the next uh, the next question is from Sue Braithwaite from West Yorkshire, and um, she's inquiring about th- the different types of slug and snow pellets available in the garden centres, and wants to know what the difference is between them and which are the most effective, and also ha- how does um, or how is she able to tell uh, which ones are safe for birds? Well, uh, first of all. Um, don't be too worried. There's no uh, good evidence that uh, slug pellets have actually harmed birds in real life, but there's a possibility they could. And because of this possibility, uh, we're strongly recommending that people look for slug pellets that contain ferric phosphate. Um, ferric phosphate is very low toxicity, and you can tell which ones have got this by looking at the small print on the packet, and it'll say ferric phosphate as opposed to metaldehyde, uh, which is the... Uh, the older ingredient um at first when the ferric phosphate pellets came out um, three or four years ago uh, no one was quite sure how effective they would be but there's a huge body of evidence now both in gardens and on farms that uh, these pellets are very are considerably um effective and uh, are perfectly safe to use when used as directed uh, just bear in mind there's a limitation of four treatments feet per year so you need to target your treatments and uh also consider alternatives. There are the uh, nematodes that you water on and you can make as many treatments of those as you like. Uh, they work well between April and September. And as a new product come to our attention, which is a spray that um, deters them. It's based on calcium chloride and it's called, uh, it goes under the trade name of Grazers. And uh, this too looks as though it has potential, but it, it's too early to say. So there's perfect. There's plenty of um, good alternatives to the old-fashioned metaldehyde slug pellet. And perhaps one thing here, Guy, we need to, to say is that perhaps people tend to overdose on a great scale with slug pellets. In a square yard or square metre, you just need a few pellets. Um, you often see in some gardens great little piles of blue metaldehyde. Uh, totally um, unnecessary, uh, also not a wise way to actually use what is actually quite a toxic chemical. That's perfectly true. Um, if Because these are baits, they're designed to be highly attractive to slugs, and if there's a slug in the vicinity, it'll find the bait. So um, mulching with slug pellets is very bad, it's illegal, and uh, potentially could have uh, poor consequences. And just time for one more question. This one's from the message board uh, from our uh, website. Uh, It's from Deborah Hallen. And uh, she's asking about shady climbers. And she wants any ideas that we have for a very unsunny spot against her house. It's north facing. And most things struggle to grow there. Um, She doesn't really fancy using honeysuckle because uh, it can be rather susceptible to mildew and doesn't want to put ivy up the wall uh, which has been the other suggestion from the forum Uh, she's had a few clematis but they get eaten by snails so that isn't suitable either does anyone have any suggestions what would thrive in such shade in such shady conditions but is also slug and snail repellent well that's quite a list of requirements yeah, in, indeed. But uh, I suppose one of the problems here, of course, climbers are designed by nature to uh, climb up into bright, well-lit situations where they then flower and uh, often put on a very uh, attractive display. So climbers for shade are rather limited, but uh, there are perhaps a, a few. Uh, climbing hydrangea is worth considering. Um, in very deep shade, it may not be that successful, but certainly a, a, a relatively easy climber to uh, get going. And once it starts flowering, very impressive. 
Um, there's also something called Akebia quinata. Um, I think the chocolate vine maybe is common name, uh, little chocolate coloured flowers, although there's also a, a white selection. Um, quite rampant, uh, very attractive leaves as well, and that will certainly will cover quite a space. And um, if you're in a mild garden, something very choice indeed, something called Berberidopsis corallina, which uh, literally has very bright coral red flowers, very unusual, very attractive bright green leaves, um, something to experiment with. But uh, if you're looking for something to, to cover a space in shade, then I think the kibia might be the answer. I might consider something, but I don't know what the common name is, and it's got a complicated botanical name as well. It's called Schizophragma hydrangeoides. Um, so, yeah, S-C-H-I-Z in there, and a P-H, not an F in there. Um, and that is uh, that is a good one for, for a shady spot, and it does have flowers a little resembling uh, hydrangea flowers, um, but there's one growing on Battleston Hill here at Wisley. It's growing up a tree, but it is in a nice shady spot, and it, it does fairly well. Something else that you might try, which is evergreen, is something called pylostegia, that's P-I-L, Pylostegia viburnoides, which means the flowers look a bit like viburnum flowers. And uh, that's handy because it's an evergreen and it's it coats the wall from low down. It, it makes an entire the wall of, of foliage rather than some of the climbers, which, as Tony says, just shoot up, was looking for the first rays of sunshine. It tends to uh, keep well furnished below. Um, I would follow on from that by suggesting hydrangea seamanii which is another evergreen hydrangea <clears throat> has lace cap flowers in the spring and summer um, and a dark green leaves which uh, coats the wall it's also useful um, in that it's self-clinging like all the um, um, hydrangeas and also schizophragma so it doesn't really need any kind of support um, to actually enable it to 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 uh, climb although it can take a little bit longer to get established um, it's intent once it's actually rooted itself against the wall which doesn't actually all fence it doesn't actually damage the fence they're purely adventitious roots which help it to cling um, it tends to grow a lot faster um, going back to the lonicerous um, i would suggest um, lonicera um, similis var delavei var similis which is um, a, a larger flowered um, honeysuckle um, than the japonicas and um, it doesn't seem to get as much mildew as the others do so um, I know that um, um, the, the inquirer was actually a little bit uh, uh, nervous about choosing uh, honeysuckles because of that reason but from personal experience I found that the leaves tend to, to stay very clean right through the season and that's an evergreen. And, and can we say Rob that despite some of these horrendous names if you go to a good plant centre check out their climbing a climber section you'll find actually a lot of these that you may not have actually encountered before but are certainly good garden plants for difficult situations. The RHS Advisory Team. If you have any questions you'd like to hear answered on the podcast, you can email them to us at podcast at rhs.org.uk. Remember, RHS members can contact the advice team by phone, email or letter for free help with any gardening queries. If you'd like details on how you can become a member of the RHS, just go to rhs.org.uk slash join. 
At this time of year, when experienced vegetable growers are showing off the fruits of their labours at harvest fairs, a question the RHS advice team is often asked is, how can I start growing my own fruit and veg when I don't have a garden? The answer is container growing. You don't need any specialist equipment and you can grow so much more than just the humble cress you may have remembered from school. Chris Smith, prize-winning grower from Pennard Plants in Somerset, explains. Well, we're here at the taste of the autumn harvest show, really, in the London halls. And we've got this sort of archway with edible plants all the way down it. Most of them growing in pots. Some of them that you can grow on a windowsill or even in a small balcony, somewhere like that, so that you can grow your own salads and other veg in very small spaces. Well, basically, if you're going to grow veg in a small space and you're going to grow it in pots or containers, choose a really good compost to start with and then sow your seeds and don't keep them too wet. Most people have problems with seeds germinating because they keep them too wet, so little and often. The colder it gets, the less water plants need. Container-wise, we've got old saucepans, we've got plastic pots, we've got buckets. You can grow actually in anything you like, providing they've got drainage holes in. That's the important thing with it all, because basically the compost needs to be well-drained and you need to get rid of any excess water. What we've got growing here is a number of things. We've got a lot of herbs because herbs do really well in containers and they've got all sorts of uses. We've got lemon verbena, which is okay in London area, but outside where we are in Somerset, I have to put it in a greenhouse over the winter, but that's lovely for lemon tea. We've got lots of salad crops. Uh, We've got winter hardy ones. So you've got land cress, which tastes exactly like water cress, but you don't need the water. We have corn salad, which is a really good winter leaf. We've got uh, celery leaf, which again is really hardy. You can crop that right the way through the winter. Use it in salads, use it in soups, use it in stews to give extra flavour. Really great as well. Mustard is something that's quite often overlooked as a winter salad crop. But uh, if you sow mustard even now, you get nice hot spicy leaves and you can go off and buy your lettuces from your supermarket. But put some mustard leaves in just to add a little bit of heat, a little bit of spice to it. Really, really nice. There's still a lot of things that you can actually grow right the way through the winter months. Within the display, we've got some uh, structure, which is basically coming from a couple of trees. So here at the front of it, we've got a malus crabapple called Gorgeous. Uh, Lovely red fruits, good size. They will hold on the tree almost right the way through the winter, even after the leaves have dropped. And the thing with that is you can make crabapple jelly, crabapple vodka, all sorts of things by using those fruits, not just letting them drop to the ground. And the other tree we've got in this space is quite an interesting one. It's Szechuan pepper. And people don't think they can grow pepper in this country, but you can't grow ordinary pepper because it's a tropical vine. But Szechuan pepper is a hardy, small shrub or tree grows to about six seven feet and at this time of the year you'll be able to pick the berries and use them it is Szechuan pepper it's very hot very spicy so you don't need a lot of it but what a great story to tell people at your dinner party that you've used your own and grown your own pepper the display itself is underplanted we've got some little step over pear trees on one side underneath that we've got herbs planted in pots so you can use every bit of space and uh, we use some little wooden squares that we make up they're about two foot square from scrap timber 
and they would be ideal fixed together uh, to grow things in. You can either just put pots in them and you don't see them, or you can fill them with soil and grow in. And you can alter the, the height. Some of them are 9 inches, some of them 18 inches, depending on what you're going to grow. Herbs don't need a lot of space. Salad crops don't need a lot of depth. But the trees obviously would need a bit more. We've got a display of veg here as well. Um, it's very seasonal. It's full of squashes and uh, things of that sort. But we've got a few unusual things. I mean, a bit more specialised, I suppose, if you're going to grow them in an allotment or somewhere like that, we've got cauliflowers. And cauliflowers aren't just white. We've got a yellow one here, which is called Sunset. We've got a purple one. And we've got the Romanesco broccoli, which is just such a great plant. It has this beautiful conical head, really good flavour. We've got some unusual beetroot bullseye beet sometimes called candy beet you cut it in half it's red and white golden beet well that speaks for itself um got radishes which don't have to just be red we've got purple ones yellow ones white ones you know all different colors radishes you can grow in containers i mean they, they, they're great for growing in a small space great for kids as well because they grow really quickly so it's all sort of seasonal veg this is the time this is harvest time uh, everything should be ready now. You should be able to still have sweet corn, still have carrots, great things. But also think about sowing for the autumn and winter, or rather for the winter now. You can still sow a bit of spinach, you can still sow all the salad crops, you can still sow radishes, spring onions. Time to put garlic in. So there's so much to do in the garden, even now. Chris Smith from Pennard Plants in Somerset. You can find more information and advice on all aspects of growing your own produce on our website, rhs.org.uk slash GYO, or download the free GYO app, designed to help you choose and grow fruit and vegetables, however much space or time you have. rhs.org.uk slash iPhone, or visit iTunes. So, what activities have the RHS got coming up in the next few weeks? Give a show's ticket gift voucher for family and friends to enjoy a wonderful day at one of our world-famous flower shows. From dazzling gardens to stunning floral displays, top advice from RHS experts and more, much more. It's a wonderful present for everyone, not just for garden lovers. Go to rhs.org.uk slash shows gift voucher. Join us for a free day Friday on November the 7th. All four RHS gardens offer free entry to all. So enjoy the autumn colours, a warming coffee or lunch, and perhaps make an early start on your Christmas shopping. Already a member? Bring along friends and family and share with them the benefits of RHS membership. A special Secret Garden Sunday Christmas special will be held on November the 2nd in the Lindley Hall, London, from 10 till 8. Join us for carol singing, Santa in his grotto, reindeer, delicious food, mulled wine, Christmas shopping for plants and gifts, plus lots more. rhs.org.uk slash shows. And, as always, full details of all these events and more are on the RHS website. Go to rhs.org.uk slash gardens what's on. We're out of time on this edition of the RHS Gardening Podcast. We'll be back in a fortnight. Until then, remember to follow us on Twitter at the underscore RHS and like us on Facebook. For now, from me, Jenny Bowden and the team at RHS Garden Wisley in Surrey, goodbye.
I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilize the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Discover the beauty of an RHS membership all year round. Save 25% off an RHS membership today when paying by direct debit. Prices start at just £55.50. With a membership, you'll gain access to an array of special events at our gardens all year round. Be the first to know about RHS flower shows and get exclusive member-only days plus reduced rate tickets. And you'll have the chance to enhance your gardening know-how with access to free expert garden advice, monthly editions of The Garden magazine, and so much more. Terms and conditions apply.